Welcome to Unabridged, a series of uncut conversations with my favorite creators, entrepreneurs, and other people who fascinate me. These are the full interviews that I cut down for YouTube videos, and you'll find these exclusively here on Nebula, both on my channel in video form and in audio form over on the Inforium channel. Today, I'm chatting with my friend Charles Cornell, who is a phenomenally talented jazz musician and a creator here on Nebula as well. And in this conversation, we discuss deliberate practice, why observation is one of the most important forms of practice, and how to get started when you feel unmotivated. So I want to talk about practice. Practice. Uh, obviously, you've been practicing piano for many years. Yes, never as much as I should, but yeah. <laughs> well, you're still pretty good at it. Well, we're, we're getting there. You're, like, you're pretty decent, I would have to say. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> so I want to talk about like the act of deliberate practice. Mm -hmm. What separates a practice session that is worthwhile, that actually helps you get the most skill development possible from one that is just sort of going through the motions? So when you sit down to practice... What are you looking to do specifically? Well, that's just the question, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, that's that's um, intent is, I think, the biggest thing. I mean, you asked the question of like what separates a, a practice session from just kind of like playing, and I think the answer is intent. Like mm -hmm. you, you, you really want to say, um, you know, I would like to leave with something that I didn't have before I sat down, mm -hmm. um, and that is that I find is is kind of the only time when when you can truly have a direction. And you you can define the actions that are going to get you to that place. Right. So if I just sit down and I'm just like, oh, I'm going to go practice for an hour or something like that. Well, unless I've defined what I'm going to do. Now, there are some things that you can do that are going to be helpful. I can always run through scales. I can always do, you know, maybe play a couple of tunes or something like that. There's a lot of stuff I can do that is just going through the motions. And it's right. not that there's no value to that. Because there is. Mm -hmm. There's the physical value. There's just the keeping everything sharp. Um, however, where you're going to pick up a lot of ground and make a lot of headway is when you define what you are going to do in the practice room. Right. Because it's easy to not have that down. I mean, we're always working on different things. If you're working on a classical piece, well, maybe you know that you're working on, you know, measures 27 through 45 or something like that. Like, who knows what it is? It mm -hmm. could be a whole bunch of different things. But what can happen a lot is that you go into the practice room and you wind up just playing things that you already know Yep. because it's pleasing to the ears. It's, it's something that we can do that we can enjoy. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it's much harder to say, I'm going to do some of the things that I don't enjoy as much, but I know why I'm doing them. Right. I, I know that I'm attempting and children have this problem a lot where you, it's very difficult to get a child to fully understand. No, you need to do these things that are not that fun because it's going to enable you to do the things that are fun. Yeah. It's very hard for a child to understand. So, um, we have that difficulty too as adults even and we have to remind ourselves constantly that like hey there's a reason to be doing this mm -hmm. and we need to define what that reason is if we want this to be successful and effective i find my biggest problem with learning songs that other people have written is it's so slow and i can play pretty well improv so whenever i sit down with a guitar even if i'm like okay i'm gonna sit down and i'm gonna learn this coheed and cambria song within five minutes I'm, i find myself just noodling around improving, and i don't have this problem with singing and i think the reason is if i'm practicing a song vocally maybe it doesn't sound good but i get to practice it along with the music so it doesn't feel slow and staggered and like i'm just taking 
you know, one piece of the song for half an hour and then playing it at half BPM, it doesn't feel as, you know, as frustrating, I guess. So that goes into a whole other level too, which yeah. is, which furthers the point of like pushing through the things that are maybe are not as, as fun mm -hmm. or that seem more difficult. Right. Because what you said is like, when you, when I, when you learn a song that somebody else has written, that's already decided mm -hmm. it's so long. Well, my solution for you for that is okay. Well, you need to learn more music theory. Because right. if you in, if you equip yourself with the knowledge of being able to hear something and understand exactly what's going on, now that process is not slow anymore. Mm. Because I can hear a song once and maybe not replicate it perfectly, but for the most part, I'll get the gist of it. Right. I'll understand like, oh, okay, I, I get how this is structured and I can probably play along and within, you know, two or three times, I'll have it down, yeah. right? It's instant, just about. But the only reason it's instant is because I've equipped myself with that knowledge base they're like, okay, I understand music theory and I understand, you know, how that's applied to something that sounds like this and I can recognize those sounds. Mm -hmm. So that would be something where the background of how do you equip yourself with that knowledge, the education, learning the music theory, that maybe is the portion that it's not that fun. Right. <laughs> it's a lot of study. It's a lot of like diving into the super specific material mm -hmm. and remembering a lot of things. And most importantly, experiencing so many versions of the thing that you can now recognize it everywhere. Right. And that's why listening to music is more important than practicing by a long shot. But right. we can look at it as, yes, these are the components that are making practicing difficult. Well, if it takes me so long, it's tough for me to keep going and not fall into the noodling. Right. Where's the solution? Well, you could develop a better process in your practicing habits to keep you on track or, or, Rather, in addition to, you can also go back and say, I need to equip myself with the knowledge so that this process doesn't take long anymore. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I kind of want to, I want to be able to break down what you're able to do and apply it to basically any skill. If somebody's looking at the skill level you're at, what you can do, and they're asking themselves, how do I get to that point? how do you know what avenues to go down? Because like what you just said, it makes it sound like to play a song really, really well, or to get to a point where you can hear a song and be able to play it within 20 minutes, say, it isn't just playing songs. It's studying theory. It's learning about chord progressions, things like that. With any skill, but I guess asking you specific to music, how do you know what paths to go down that are most efficient? Yeah, no, and I, I, I think an important thing to realize is that what I'm saying, these are not prerequisites, mm -hmm. right? They're simply additional components that you can learn about that are going to help, mm -hmm. right? So it, it, it would not be correct to suggest that you have to go and learn the entirety of music theory before you can learn a song. <laughs> That's ridiculous, yeah. obviously. But what happens is that over time, and this is what, something that I'm, that I'm going to get to, mm -hmm. over time, um, you will pick up bits and pieces of things. You will, you will hear things repeatedly to the point where you start to recognize them. And, and after a while, you, you just, uh, it, it's just kind of inserted into your, into your vocabulary. Mm -hmm. Now, over time is an important thing to remember because these are not things that you can program to fix with a process. They're not things that you okay. can say, well, if I develop these practicing habits or if I establish the system to maintain a certain level of productivity, then I'm gonna achieve this. That's not how something of this level, of this, of this nature works. Mm -hmm. Take for example, if you wanna learn a language, 
you can systemize every possible thing about how you're going to study, what apps you're going to use, what books you're going to read. Right. But the reality is, is that, yeah, you're going to make progress, but nothing like going and living in that country for a year. Right. Yeah. Just total immersion. Not going to be anywhere close. Mm -hmm. So these are things that now, if you went for a week, you're not, it's not going to have any impact. Mm. If you lived there for a year, now we're talking, right? Mm -hmm. So music, you have to think about in the same exact way. These are not things that you can simply say, well, I'm going to, I'm going to create a system to solve this problem. You can create systems to keep yourself on track Mm -hmm. to the extent where it's like, you're going to make a lot of good progress. But if you really want to truly learn this language, which is exactly what it is, Mm -hmm. um, then, you know, that is something that needs to be ingrained over time. Um, So the reason that I can, for example, have an understanding of theory to the level that I can listen to a song once and immediately just be like, oh yeah, I I get it, right? That is because I've spent years and years and years studying theory, but more importantly, listening to music. Okay. Um, One of my, you know, my jazz teacher growing up would always say that she learned more from listening than she ever did from all of the hours of practicing, the the number of gigs she played, like all of that combined, she learned more from listening. And if we think if we think about language as a spoken word, it's like, well, how does a child learn a language? They listen, yeah. They just listen. They, mm-hmm. And over a long period of time, it takes years for a child to develop that ability to now start to repeat things that they're hearing. Yeah. And even more years for them to be able to string together functional sentences and then even more years for them to be able to form that vocabulary and those phrases and sentences into their own genuine authentic ideas right that they can then put out to the world and the world goes i understand what you're saying Mm -hmm. right that is a lifelong process i mean i think you know we're still learning to do that on some level yeah so the idea i I mean you, you can't look at music as a way of like okay i'm going to I'm going to develop a practice routine and then within a certain number of months, I'm going to have this understanding. Well, you can do that to an extent, mm-hmm. but with music, it is, it is a long process of ingraining a language mm-hmm. into your, into your vocabulary. And, it, and yeah. it, the length of time is, I think one of the most under, under um, people, people don't place enough of an importance on understanding that like, yeah. this is a long process. And I think there's a lot of marketing around that, like learn a language in three months and you will see you, right. And you will see me put out some type of course or some type of video (laughs) suggesting I'm going to get you improvising in 20 minutes. Right. Because the reality is I can do that. Mm -hmm. Now, are you going to be able to speak fluently? Of course not. Right. But it's a start. Right. So yes, there's a lot of marketing information around that type of mentality. But it's important to distinguish the difference. Like you might be, I might be able to tell you, hey, if you're playing this chord, here are the notes that you can mess around with. Have fun. Mm-hmm. You can do that, sure. But it's not going. You're you're not going to in that amount of time understand. Here's how to make a statement. Yeah. Here's how to craft an original thought in the language of music. Mm-hmm. That's a much longer form process. Your point about listening to music being more important than playing it is really interesting. And I guess I would sort of like encapsulate that as like observation as a form of practice. And it made me think I follow some really talented video editors on Twitter and they are constantly watching movies 
and breaking down shots of movies. Like there's one guy, I forget his name because it's a, it's, it's not an American or, you know, standard English name. Uh, I'll link to him below, but he, he, he's always posting these just galleries of shots from a scene in a movie to show like, here's the cohesion and the color grading, or here's, you know, look at the dynamics between the different shots and different cameras. And like what that tells me is he's not spending all of his time editing. He's spending a lot of his time watching other people's movies and observing that. So I do that a lot too with, with my editing. I'll, I'll watch movies more often now with a critical eye because I'm trying to see, okay, what are you doing? Like I'll watch an Edgar Wright movie over and over again. The first time it's just entertainment viewing. The second time I'm like, okay, well, how are you structuring the story? How are you, you know, positioning the cameras? How are you making cuts? And you learn a lot from just observing people who are better than you. And why, and why are you looking at that? Right. It's, 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 you're pulling things that you want to try. Mm -hmm. You're pulling bits and pieces of that. Maybe it's certain angles or a certain color grading approach that you specifically want to apply to your own work. Yeah. Because you want to feel like, oh, I want to understand how to use this. Mm -hmm. That is listening to music. We hear things that strike a chord with us, literally, and, mm -hmm. and, and we go, I want to sound like that. I want to play that sound. I want to make, I want to make that happen on the instrument. Yeah. Right. And so listening is that same process of picking and choosing bits and pieces of things that we want to then apply for ourselves. Right. Which is exactly how language works. That's how a child learns. They're eventually picking bits and pieces of things they hear their environment or they hear in their environment around them. And they're mm -hmm. going, I want to try that. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's the reason that we say, like, if you don't want your kid to, you know, have a potty mouth, like try to not sit, you have a potty mouth around them. Right. Because yeah. they're going to be like, ooh, that sounds interesting. I want to test that out, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and, and yeah, in every creative endeavor and probably you can you can easily apply this beyond creative endeavors. Um, but anywhere where you're attempting to kind of develop a higher proficiency with something looking at the proficient examples mm -hmm. and saying, I want to try this part and I want to take that part. Like that is the best way that you can learn anything. Mm -hmm. You know, I think in general, not just music. Do you deal with any feelings of like, I'm copying this person. I shouldn't do that. That's a really interesting question. Um, because in music and, and I'm, I'd have to think about, I think there are a lot of ways that this can transfer to other, to other things, but in music specifically, we transcribe. Mm -hmm. So in jazz, when, when we talk about transcribing, we are literally going and listening to a solo, um, an, impro an improvised solo, and we are going to replicate that in exact, I mean, just like, it, it's everything from the touch to the feel, the notes, obviously, mm -hmm. and we are going to replicate that identically, right? And, and that, is an, that is a practice, that that is um i mean there are still things that that are ingrained in my mind um that that i know that i transcribe like like here's this is a a little bit of a Barry Harris thing um 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 So that's, I, he improvised that. That is word for word, okay. word for word. Mm -hmm. um, 
And, and that is something that I worked on. What year was I? That might have been, maybe I was a freshman. Was I a freshman? God, that would have been years ago. And I still, it's just like right there in my hand. Mm-hmm. Now, why do we do that? Am I going to get on stage and play his solo? No, of course not, right? Because it just, why would I do that, right? right? You know, there, there, there's no, there are no, it's interesting, there are no jazz covers in the way that take maybe one of the most famous things like uh, John Coltrane's Giant Steps solo. Right. Nobody has ever made a cover of Giant Steps, but with John Coltrane's solo. Yeah. Nobody's done that. There would be no point. Now, everybody plays Giant Steps. And, and so everybody... Giant Steps is, those are the chord changes, right? That's the song, right? The That's song. the okay. tune. Yeah. yeah, so it's a chord structure and there's a melody. And then mm-hmm. when you improvise, you just, you forego the melody, keep the chord structure, and you play improvisations over gotcha. it. Gotcha, okay. So nobody is out there performing John Coltrane's solo. If they yeah. did, they'd be laughed off stage, right? Why is that? Well, because... And, and at the same time, why is it that every saxophone player ever can play that solo? You know, it's it's like required learning, but nobody's going to go out and perform it. Why do we do that? Well, what, the reason that I would transcribe Barry Harris like that is I want to know what are the devices that he used to create the sound that we heard. Yeah. Because when I heard that sound, I went, I like that. I want to have that in my vocabulary, right? what is it? You go and you find out, mm-hmm. right? The same way that saxophone players go and they find out, what did John Coltrane play here? And what, what was this thought process behind that? How was he thinking about shifting from this chord to this chord? How, how did he negotiate that change in a way that was melodically sensible and that sounded good? Mm-hmm. So those questions, we're seeking those answers when we transcribe. But we're not going to go and simply perform the transcription. Yeah. That would be pointless because Barry Harris already said it. John Coltrane already said it. We don't need to say it again. Mm-hmm. That's there. That's in the record books. It's, 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 it's there. We want to say our own things. But how can we speak in that language if we don't know what people have said? Right. Right. Again, I'm going to go back to this language example of a, ch- of a child learning their native language. They are transcribing. Mm-hmm. They're repeating what their parents say. They're repeating what, what they hear in their environment around them. That is transcription, mm-hmm. you know? And why do they do it? Well, because they're adding to their vocabulary. Now, what happens once they've built that vocabulary up to a certain level? They now are able to draw from that vocabulary to piece together their own ideas. Right. And that right there is what, that's what we do when we transcribe. We are, we are building an arsenal of vocabulary that we will be able to pick and choose what parts we like and that we want to include in our own thoughts. Mm-hmm. We don't speak with a made-up language. When, yeah. we, when we grow up, we don't, and we, you know, we make friends and things, we don't make up our own language. We use what's already there. Mm-hmm. But we had, to, we had to arm ourselves with the knowledge of what's already there so right. that we could draw from it. Right. That's transcription. So it, 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 to answer your question directly about do, you, we, do we worry about copying musicians? Not at all. Okay. Because they, you, you have to if you want to learn. You have to if you want to understand the history, uh, the, the, the culture, and the language that it is. You have to understand how to speak it. Mm-hmm. And the only way to do that is to copy the people that have, that have spoken it before you. Um, and then from there, you develop your own original ideas. Yeah. You know? Do you find that transcription is a way to break through plateaus? 
That's interesting. Um, I would say yes, because when I think about my own playing and where I feel that I am now, um, I find myself, believe it or not, I find myself quite, quite frustrated mm -hmm. because I'm bored. I'm bored with what I play. Right. I, what the, the things that I have been playing for a long time, and I think part of it is that I have not had a truly dedicated practice routine in, in, in years mm -hmm. because after graduating from conservatory, like you kind of life just sort of takes over and sometimes it's difficult to dedicate that time. Right. So I feel particularly bored about where I'm at musically. And certainly I could fix that by going and seeking out the things that I love to listen to and being like, let me take some of that, mm -hmm. in, import it into my own vocabulary so now I have something new to play. Yeah. You know, and, and, and again, not just replicating, but so that I'm taking piece, bits and pieces of that example so that Adam, I Adam. can pull it out into my own thoughts. Yeah. So, so yes, I do think that it is a great way to, to break through a plateau um, and, and that's something that I should probably do, you know? <laughs> Uh, to wrap this up, um, for people who have trouble getting into practicing, what are some things that help you? Yeah, that's tough um, because I, that, in, in fact, that's probably my number one uh, where I find the most difficulty as well mm -hmm. um, is, is, is forcing yourself to start, breaking that initial barrier of I got to sit down on the piano and get going. Right. It's, it's not easy. Um, and, and, but but it, important, importantly, though, it's not, it's not unique, right? It's not like nobody should worry if they have this struggle because it's so common, yeah. right? So start from there. That way you feel a little bit better about, hey, this is a shared struggle. We all, uh, you know, musicians, creators in general, like we all go through this. So mm -hmm. don't worry, first and foremost. Um, and then secondly, I think inspiration is a big thing. Um, and that can mean a lot of different things for, for different people. I mean, some people are inspired by writing music. Some people are inspired by listening to music and wanting to replicate something. If you can start from, I heard this thing and it blew me away and I want to learn it. Start there because right. that's going to, that's going to give you a reason to sit down and, and get into it. Mm -hmm. And then once you get into it, it's very easy to then say, well, while I'm sitting here, I might as well work on some fundamental stuff. I might as well work on maybe some assignments that I have at the moment. Um, but if you are, if you are motivated by something that you heard that made you go, whoa, mm -hmm. I got to figure that out. Start there. Okay. Definitely start there. So if you have a little thread of inspiration, mm -hmm. just tug on that. Yeah. And then understand too that like, <laughs> this is something that I haven't talked about a lot. And I think it's, I, I'm very curious to, to hear other people's thoughts on it. Um, I've had instances where there will be a line or a chord or a sequence or something that I hear somebody play and it just blows me away. And I'm like, whoa, whoa. Yeah. And I'm like, I have got to figure that out. I gotta be able to play that. Mm -hmm. I go, I transcribe it, I sit down, I learn it, and I'm able to play it. And all of a sudden, kind of the magic is gone. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. It, it's like, oh, now I know how to do it. I know what it is. It's mm -hmm. not mysterious anymore. I'm familiar with the sound now. It sounds cool, but it doesn't strike me the same way. It's that whole line from the prestige, like the audience wants to be fooled. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like there's, there's a certain, I don't know, there's a certain wonder to not knowing not how knowing. it works. Yeah. Yeah. And not expecting it too. I think that's yeah. a big thing. It's like one of the reasons that we talk about, you know, in music, um, when musicians play out, for example, um, which just means like, if I, you know, if I play, it's just like a harmonically ambiguous. You know, there's so many different ways you can go about doing it, but right. the idea of playing something that doesn't match where you technically are in a chord sequence, right? Mm -hmm. 
why is that so popular amongst audiences? Like, why do people love that? It's because it's unexpected. Yeah. It's because it's just totally like, whoa, I don't know what that was. And we don't know where to put it. We don't know how to no, place it in context right. to the chords. Yeah, you're just like, whoo, that was, that was, that was out. Yeah. That was out there, you know? And, and, and that, that's a, that's a lot of fun to do. And it's, it's, it's just interesting because once you break it apart and you kind of give yourself somewhat, somewhat of an ability to do it, mm -hmm. if you're the one in control, well, it's not as mysterious. Yeah. So that might change your perspective of it, you know, but always finding, because then, then you got to move on to the next thing mm -hmm. that, that inspires you. Because once you, once you learn the thing, well, now you've got it, yeah. use it, put it in the arsenal and move on. Um, so always finding that thing, that point of inspiration can be super helpful, um, just to give you a reason to sit down, yeah. you know? So that's, that's what I've always found anyways. Awesome. Well, thanks for chatting with yeah, me, man. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. If you enjoyed this conversation, you may also want to check out Charles's channel here on Nebula, where you'll find an additional 50 minute long conversation we have on productivity in general. Beyond that, you can follow me on Twitter at Tom Frankly, and let me know over there who you'd like to see me chat with in the future.